When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coca. The nothing personal word of the day is Coca, as in Matthew Coca. We have made it to our 500th episode here on Nothing Personal. Thank you to all of the audience who has gotten us here. And we promised, you know, Coca doesn't like being on camera. He doesn't like talking and having you hear his points of view because he's worried that you're no longer going to love him or that you're going to find out that he's real and fallible. So he agreed to do this. And we're on video, we're on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel. And he comes on for the recording and look at him. He's wearing a blazer and a shirt. I almost stopped the recording and said, go change. That's not the Matthew Coca who I've been looking at for 500 episodes more with sit downs and mailbags. He wears a sweatshirt or a flannel. He's got his hair in a man bun, it's everywhere. Matthew Coca, welcome to Nothing Personal. Please start right now by telling us why are you wearing a blazer and a shirt? I wanted to dress up for the occasion. I knew that my grandpa was going to be watching and, and he probably didn't want to see the ensemble that I usually wear to record these shows. And you know, uh, it's, it's just business here. I, I'm speechless and I'm so rarely speechless because when the camera turned on and there you were, I didn't know what to make of it. I wanted to make sure that it was really you. So one of the things that we have to get to is how many of the audience thinks that you weren't real and that I'm just talking to myself, even though I point out my earpiece all the time and I tell them that you're talking in my ear. Why is it that you wanted to stay in the background for this long and not have people really know who you are? Because I think it's easier if people just got to know you. Like it, it allows me to just do my job and like my job is to make sure that you look good and that the content is right and that you know the show is successful. And a lot of times when you become a part of the show, like you want to, you know, write in lines for you and you want to write in topics that you want to talk about. And I didn't want any of that. I wanted the show to be about you. I wanted people to come here and listen to what you had to say. And, you know, you're the star of the show itself. So, you know, make things about you. But the fact of the matter is that we do go over every topic and I, we tell people this during every show. I tell them that we have pregame talks, we have postgame talks. There is no nothing personal without you. And you give me your points of view on all the topics that we talk about and you're very involved, but do you not want your opinions out there because you think they're contrarian or do you think that people will view you in a different way? So just take any subject, take the Ravens, take the MLB lockout, take certain movies. Why is it that, uh, you know, it's not my show, it's our show, and I've been very clear about that. So are you concerned that people would turn against us because they would disagree with you? No, because who cares what I have to say? You know, like, it's just, I'm just like every other fan that's out there. You know, we all have opinions about our own teams, but like, I don't have the experience that you have of, 
of being in a front office and knowing what's going on. Like I'm just another Joe Schmo that's out there that got, you know, all his NFL game planning from playing Madden or NCAA football. Like I'm just a, a, a kid who went to college, had fun and was around sports his whole life. So it's like, I don't have any real insight that people would want to hear, you know, my friends hear it all day long. So it's not like I'm like afraid to share my opinion. It's just when I come to nothing personal, like I just want people to understand that like what we're giving them is a hundred percent honest. It's truthful. And it's, it's fat, like it's facts. Like you've been around most of these situations before. So I don't want people to come here and be like, Oh, it's just a, another opinion show. You know, it's just another debate show. Like I want people to come here and I want them to leave being smarter than what they were 45 minutes prior. Can you, let's go back to the start of this. We met at CBS sports HQ. You were producing a show called Canel and Bell for people who didn't watch that. I guess people did watch it or listen to it. It was on CBS sports HQ. And you had to get to work, what, at 2, 3 in the morning, and you were working with them for all those months. And when I started with CBS, they, after a while, they said, how about a show? And then I started talking with the higher-ups there about who would produce it. And I had my eyes on you the entire time. I wanted you to produce it. How did that happen? Who were you approached by? And what made you decide to agree to work with me when you had, you didn't, we didn't know each other very well, though I did know enough about your demographic about what you stood for and how you would be additive to the type of show that I was envisioning but what how did it all happen tell me I just like the idea of of fresh like new like so when people come to me and they're like hey we need a new show about football or a new show about baseball or soccer or basketball like I just like the idea of having to jump into something and start fresh and just you know, and I get to put my own spin on things. And, and I feel like I have a good understanding of like what fans want and what people want. So, you know, someone just came to me and said, hey, you know, we have this new show idea. Somebody named David Sampson wants you to do it. They want it to be a sports business show. You know, go take care of it. And that was basically it. It wasn't like, hey, would you like to do this show? It was, hey, you're going to do this show. Start working on it. And I was like, sure, fine. You know, let's do it. So if you only like new things, does that mean after 500 episodes, you're tired of nothing personal? Do you no, want to move to something else? Talk about other, we get to talk about things that aren't directly on the field. Like the on the field stuff to me is so boring. It's the same thing. You know, somebody goes out there and they play a game of basketball. Maybe the score is different and how they got to that score is different. But, you know, it's always going to be the same thing. The game starts, the game ends, and that's what happens. But it's like the off the field stuff, the stuff that nobody really sees happening behind the scenes. Like every day we talk about it. Like we've never done the same show twice. And, you know, this is episode 500, but we've also done mailbags and sit downs and other episodes. And it's like we've never done the same thing twice. Maybe we revisit a topic when something new happens, but every day something new is happening. And because it's just you and I doing this, like we get to put our own spin um, on how we want to talk about a subject or what we want to talk about. There's no real rules to what we can do. And to me, it's like every day is sort of being able to, to jump at something new as opposed to, you know, you know, what happened in the Ravens game? Oh, Lamar Jackson made a couple passes. He didn't make a couple passes. And it's just like, would people be shocked that you don't actually watch the Ravens games? <laughs> 
I think that that makes uh, it so amazing that you're so passionate about them and get so angry on Twitter, and then you'd rather read a book. I think people don't realize what a reader you are. I was going to say voracious reader, but you really are. Didn't, didn't you read 52 books last year or more? 60. I read 60, 60 books. last year, and I just started my 37th this year. And it's just, listen, like I have nothing against watching sports, but it's like, you know, if you are a, if you're a welder, and all day long, you just go to work and you're welding and you're welding and you're welding and you're welding and you're I know where this working is going. at all these sites. And when you get home from work, you don't want to talk to your family about welding. You don't want to talk to your friends about welding. It's, it's overwhelming and it just gets so boring if you don't have something outside of your profession that you are really interested in and something that you can enjoy and you can relax and do it. So with me, I'm very selective in what I choose to watch. Like I'll watch a couple soccer games because there's no commercials. So I can just sit there and I know, you know, how long I'm going to have to watch whatever it is. Or, you know, if West Virginia is playing a football game and it's an important game, like, you know, I'll watch the game, but I'm not, you know, devoting that time to just watching sports. Like I need some sort of outlet outside of it that, that I could still come back to work every day and love what I do. Um, as opposed to just, you know, drowning in it. But when you were producing at CBS Sports HQ, you were producing sort of a sports center type show also. Were you watching sports then? Because that was straight highlights and that must have been brutal for you. No, because I think it's the same thing. You know, um, fans, I'm never going to know as much about a game as a fan of that team is going to know. So, you know, I get my information from fans. So what are fans talking about? You know, what is it? I mean, that's why we do this. You know, we don't we don't do it for ourselves. We do it because this is what fans want. Like they tell us what they want us to talk about. They tell us what they want us to avoid. So if it's a Detroit Pistons game, like I can't watch 15 different NBA games, but I can go look and see what Pistons fans are talking about. And if they played the Hawks, you know, what are Hawks fans upset about? And I can just gather information and, and you know, find the storylines of that game from them because they're a lot smarter um, on that given subject than, than I am. So you came up with the name of our show. Can you tell people how you did that, please? Yeah, I think I get, uh, I get all my best ideas right before I go to sleep. So it's like that moment where you close your eyes and you're, you know, you're trying to get to sleep, but your mind just won't shut off and you, you never know when you eventually do get to sleep. But like in that moment before I go to sleep, if I have a really, really good idea and I wake up the next morning and it's like the first thing that I think of, I'm like, that's it. Like something in my head is telling me like, so bring us through what happened. It. I mean, it was just that it was just, you know, we, I had the idea of the show, you know, they said, uh, this is a, you know, a former president of the Miami Marlins. He wants a show. He wants it to be about sports. He wants it to be about business. So I said, okay, you know, office hours, you know, is there anything called office hours, you know, getting called into the office. And I'm just like thinking of, of all these different names and spins that I can put uh, on a business show or on like a, a boss talking to somebody. And then, you know, it's just business. Okay, business, business. It's just business. It's just business. This is awesome. It's nothing personal. And then the first thing I do is like I hop up and I just type it into Google. And I'm like, okay, please tell me there's not another show out there called Nothing Personal. And like when once you realize that like you are it and like you found the one, 
that's it. Like you just run with it and you just, you say it with so much conviction that people have to accept it. I'm looking at my phone right now because I had a list of names for the show that I wanted from Samson Speaks to we had all sorts of possibilities. And I remember exactly. It's one of those times in life where it doesn't happen a lot, but you remember the exact place you were at the time it happened. I was sitting in at Marone's chair, actually, at the end of a row of cubicles. or It's actually like a school desk. That's what CBS has, its producers and talent sitting. And you were walking from the back row toward the main part of the studio and you just looked at me and said nothing personal <laughs> and you kept walking and I didn't know you well we were just beginning to talk about the show and talk about the timing of when it was going to start we weren't sure and it just clicked and I loved it so we got the name now can you talk people through the start of the show I think they'd be interested to know in October of 2019 you wanted me to do two rehearsals. And what what was the reason for rehearsals? Well, we actually started in August. Like August was when like the real planning and everything went into it. Um, but to me, it, it's always just like, you know, what do you want this to be? You know, do you want it to be a podcast? Do you want it to be a show? Um, you know, whatever they sell it to me as is what I'm going to sort of, you know, make sure that we're doing and doing things correctly. And like when you're in a studio environment, there's so many different elements. There's so many different people working on things and everybody is so hands-on, um, you know, with the TDs and the PAs and the APs. And it's just, there's so many people. Tell, tell people what that is, Coca. They, they may not know what those stand uh, the for. The TD is the technical director. That's the person who's going to, you know, while the show is functioning, um, they're taking care of the shots. Um, our TDs work on lighting. They do so many different jobs and wear so many different hats. So they make sure that like everything looks great. And, you know, as the show is rolling, you know, they're making sure that, um, you know, the camera shots are, are different. Uh, they're making sure that, you know, we're rolling. They're making sure that we're recording. There's so many different things that they have to do. Um, you know, the PAs uh, are making sure that. What does that you know, stand for? Uh, production assistant. They're making Thank sure you. that our you know, the graphics are good and that things are, you know, I, I have all the elements that I need for the show. Um, but with our show, uh, that was me, you know, like I was doing all these things and I was really hands-on with, with everything. And it was really overwhelming to have like this much to do and not be able to focus on the content side of things or focus on, you know, paying attention to what you're saying. Uh, so you don't, you know, say anything out of line. Uh, you great job doing that, Coca. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of frustrating to, to have to do, you know, all those different things and, and not, um, you know, and do it live for the first time. So it's just like, you want to be able to, you know, get the timing down, um, you know, get the graphics down, get down the shots. And, you know, when we first started, it was like this full on TV production. Um, and I felt like it took away from where we were um, in the process of, of you finding your voice and the show sort of finding its rhythm where we should have just focused on the podcast angle, like focused on the timing, focused on what we wanted to talk about first. Um, because when the lights are on, it's, it's really distracting. And, you know, you sort of like come out of yourself and become this character as opposed to just, you know, being yourself. So, you know, you get a couple of rehearsals in, you get a couple of uh, early shows in, 
and you know the 10th show doesn't look like the first show the 50th show doesn't look like the 10th show and and so on how worried were you after the rehearsals you're not worried you know you're never really worried um if the show doesn't look good after rehearsals because like i said like it was the first time that we worked together it was the first time you know that we we did a show like this and it was you know it was sort of something new where it was just like this, you know, this guy is going to come and expose the sports industry for what it is. Um, and and it was just a new challenge for the both of us. So I, I wasn't really worried um, as much as I was sort of excited and and scared for like this new venture of of wondering, like, are people going to like this? Are people going to listen? Are people going to want to hear what we have to say? Um, now, here we are. Do you remember? So after the rehearsals, I. I basically went back to my apartment in Fort Lauderdale and I panicked. Hmm. And the reason I panicked is that I didn't know I've had so much failure in my life and so much success. And you start to learn internally with a gauge, which way it's going to go when you're doing something. And I was very concerned that my gauge was telling me this was going to be a failure and I wanted to do it so badly. I wanted to succeed. I wanted to work with you and have this be a good show. And I remember thinking about you, what you told me, and I, I never told you this, but what you told me, and you just mentioned it now on the show for the audience, is you said, you're not a character, you're just you. So when you're talking to the camera, pretend there's an audience, and just pretend you're having a conversation as you. You know, you don't start screaming like this and all the crazy stuff that you do. Just be you and give people insight into conversations that you've had or would have. And that I think about that still. We're two years later and I think about those words. So you had more to do with the success of the show than I think you realize. But there was another thing that made this show successful and it's sort of hard to talk about, COVID. Hmm. Talk about a little how COVID changed the show and your life. Well, I've, I've been working from home since August, 2020. Uh, and it, I mean, it, it can be boring to just like sit here on your laptop and, you know, work at home by yourself. Is it August? Is it August or March? No, it was August. Cause I was still going into the office. I was going into the office. You I were going into the office. We, well, yeah, it was my life, so I know what I was Hold on, because nothing personal went in studio. They kicked me out of the studio in March of Mar- March 26th, yeah, I want to say. but I was still working on HQ because I started Cover 3 in September of 2020, and September was when I was fully home, uh, working fully home. So I would do nothing personal and then uh, have to go into the office, or I would be sitting at an office desk on my laptop doing nothing personal. And so... You got frustrated with that, and then when did you become full-time at home? Just in August? When the, Well, September, when they gave me a, a second podcast to produce. So then and I you... started producing uh, the Cover 3 football podcast on CBS Sports, as well as yours. Um, and that was – I've been all from home since then. And I think you're burying the lead here because you sound as though you're upset that you're from home, but I think it changed your life. Yeah, because it's I, I get so much more freedom uh, being able to just work at home and just work at my own speed and and make sure that like everything that is nothing personal, um, whether it succeeds or fails outside of recording the show itself, um, is on me. Like it's all me, 
and I like the pressure. Uh, I like having the responsibility. I like doing the work. Uh, and I like knowing that like, it is me. Like if I do fail, it is me. Um, and there are some people that I sort of rely on outside of, of just myself to just, you know, make sure that things are working well and, you know, troubleshooting some situations, but you know, we've been very successful, just the two of us and you'd always love extra help on the show, but you know, you just rise to the occasion and it's just like, who are we to complain? You know, who was I to complain? Like I work in sports and like time at out. The end it's what? Stop your, stop your yammering. You complain every day. Every day you talk to me about, man, CBS has me doing all these shows because you cover three is a hugely successful show, folks. If you're not, if you know anything about college basketball, you like it. You got to download and follow cover three. I was so angry when CBS put you on that because I wanted you all to myself. But you're spread so thin. You're not paid enough. And you also, though, got to move to New York. You got to mention that, don't you? Well, I don't live in New York, so don't say that. Where do you live? I live in Jersey. Always Jersey. Where did you live before before COVID? Florida. Okay. I'm just saying, don't say New York because I'm not a New Yorker. The New York area. Can I say the New York area? You could just say Jersey. Okay, so Coca moved to the New York area right during COVID. He and I both were able to move, which would not have happened. We would go into a studio every day together in Fort Lauderdale, and then COVID happens, and we're able to move to New York. But now, what happens if you have to go in studio again for nothing personal? Would you do it? Well, I live in the New York area, um, <laughs> so, so if I had to... Um, yeah, sure. You know, it's just, but once again, it's just, it all comes back to just, to just you figuring out what you would, you would like to do because I'm just, I just say yes to things. You are being so misleading. I cannot believe it. This is your moment right here on the 500th episode to let people under the hood. You sound like you're the most agreeable, easygoing guy and that's not why. Yeah, but you're here's paid the thing: is that like, for as much as I do complain about things, I still do whatever it is it's supposed I'm supposed to do. So allow me that, you know, allow us frustrated humans to complain about our work and then still do it and then still do a great job because like we deserve to complain, like we deserve at least that because we're still doing the work. But it's just, you know, I thought you said you have no right. I thought you said you have no right to complain. Well, I was saying about COVID. Like I have no right to complain about working from home during COVID because I work in sports. Like complaining about your job is something that anybody can do and everybody does and everybody should do because you shouldn't keep all that frustration in, but it's just I'm saying during COVID times like being able to work from home and still do this job at, like there was no complaining about that because we just work in sports and it's just like you know we're doing a podcast at the end of the day and maybe people do find joy from our podcast and you know they get 45 minutes of of just a break from reality um by listening to the podcast but that's what i was saying you know i have no reason to complain about because outside of of that i for sure complain um because i don't want to just stay angry all the time you know it's funny um the guy who got me into sports uh, was this visionary. His name's Anthony Mormile. And uh, he was like a second father to me. And one of these things that he used to let me do was he used to give me 15 minutes to just yell and scream 
about anything that was frustrating me, whether it was work-related, life-related, anything. And then once those 15 minutes were up, I wasn't allowed to complain for the rest of the day. And like that's that was like our routine um, when he was still here was 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 to just complain for 15 minutes and then that was it. And then I was done. And now it's like you are the person that hears most of my complaints um, because once I'm done complaining to you, uh, you know, for the rest of the day, I'm fine. <laughs> like I'm good to go. Uh, but for those 15 minutes, I need him. It's I called like a coca everybody- rant. It's called the coca rant is what I call it because you go on, you have a topic that you're very passionate about or something's going on that's bothering you. Uh, and I let you do it because it is important to get it out. But can you go back to your entry into sports because you glossed over it and I think <laughs> the audience would like to know how do you become Matthew Coca? So can you go through your evolution? Start at the beginning back when you were born. No, I'm just kidding. Go to <laughs> the start in the sports career. How did that happen? <clears throat> Uh, well, I was fortunate enough to know the Moore Mile family, and I was fortunate enough to know Anthony, uh, Jess, and, and Mikey, who I work with here at CBS Sports. And Anthony was working at, at ESPN, and you know he was the VP of, of digital media uh, in a time where digital media was, you know, was just taking off. So you know, I, when I was 16, I sort of just decided that, like, you know, everybody wants me to work in sports. Like my grandma always wanted me to be like a sports caster. Um, she wanted me to, you know, to be on TV and be this, be this guy. And like, I was just like, sure, you know, like I love sports, like, let me do it. So I decided to just give up every summer um, of my teenage life to just go work at, at ESPN. So I was working there when I was 16 and 17, just full summers, just working in digital media uh, and just learning what was new and what was fresh and, you know, how things were getting made and what people were talking about. And it was it was there that I learned to to just, you know, listen to people, you know, listen to people that were smarter than me um, and just absorb all the information that I could because it was, you know, technology was just booming and, and I wanted some of that. Uh, so I you know, I worked at ESPN and I just kept working and kept working in summers and just kept working there and was doing, uh, you know, college football work on their app. Uh, and then you what know, year when, was this? What years are you talking about? This was 2006, 2007, like around that time. Uh, Be- because and- you say you wasted your summers and there are people who would give their left arm to work at ESPN for a summer and you just put it as though you were giving up your summers. Do you really look at it that way? You know, it's tough uh, because, you know, I am where I am because of the sacrifice that I made. Uh, but I feel like I missed out on a lot of, of the fun side of things of, you know, of my friends, you know, going down the Jersey shore together and, um, you know, my, you know, some of my friends becoming, you know, me coming closer with some people and, and losing some friends. So there's like a, a, a lot at risk when you put your career first. And that's what I did. And that's, you know, what I've always done, because, you know, after ESPN, you know, we all made the decision to move to Florida and work at CBS Sports. And it wasn't like we knew anybody down in Florida. So it was like I was leaving my friends once again uh, for a career. And, you know, sometimes it could be, you know, a really lonely life um, of choosing to do that, especially in a profession where, 
you know, we say how, you know, the fun side of sports is that we're just talking about fun. But the other side is that like, there are no real off days, you know, there are no holiday breaks, you don't get those things, uh, you know, so, you know, you take the, the good with the bad. So it's like, you know, sports are fun, but you're not going to have a lot of free time. That was just your opportunity to talk to say it's just business because sports isn't fun when you're producing it or when you are running a team or when you're working for ESPN. It's your job. And I think people forget that. Do you have the frustration with your friends that early in my career I had with mine and then as I got older, I just didn't have the frustration because people realized soon enough. But, oh, God, you work in sports. Does that mean you just hang out with athletes all the time and shoot hoops? And did your friends or because you were mostly friends with people in the world of sports business like ESPN or CBS, what about friends not in that world? Did they look at you and say, man, you've got the life? (laughs) Most of them. Most of them do. Um, especially when like you're, you're not living around them, you know, and, and they don't know what's going on in your life. Like they think, you know, I'm, I'm going to the Super Bowl and I'm in VIP suites with, you know, Robert Kraft and we're watching the game together. Uh, but you know, it's not like that. Uh, but my, you know, now that I'm back up here and my friends sort of like, you know, they still rarely see me, uh, when I'm, you know, when I'm in these months where it's your show and it's college football and college football is in the, the full swing of things. And you're, you know, you're working in overdrive to make sure that like, you know, both shows are growing and both shows are successful. Um, they sort of see, you know, that, you know, when Matt's working, like Matt is working. Do your friends call you Matt or Coca? Um, some call me Matt, some call me Coca, some call me cookie. And it's just like, the level of which they are my friends is, is, you know, my best friends call me Coca or Mateo or cookie. And like, if you hear that, then you know that like they know me, but you know, I don't really care what people refer to me as most people call me Coca because you, you know, yell my name four or five times an episode. So it's because you're yelling at me. People, people don't realize how distracting it can be when you're yelling at me either in my ear or writing on the document when I do something wrong or you want me to move on. That's how the show actually flows. I mean, we're off the subject now because I want to get back to a few things about your career. But it is quite fascinating to have someone that much in tune with you who's not a family member, even more so. I spend more time with you, Coca, than I do with anyone else. And uh, it's fascinating the rhythm that we've developed over these 500 episodes, and it feels so fresh to me because every day, as you said, it's not that it's a new topic. It's that we have a different, fresh approach to what we're talking about every day, but you and your ability to be on top of so many things. I think that the difference between us is that, A, I'm 53 and you're 30, hmm. but B, you have a much better handle on what people want to hear and how they want to hear it. And that's developed and you're so young still in your career that every year you do this, the reason our show's better is because you're better every single year. And that is something that's not going to stop. So if you are as committed to your career as you have been, uh, you could do anything you want. So here it is. Here's my question, Mateo. What do you want? You know, I, it's it's tough to answer a question like that. Uh, Try. You can do it. What do you want? I'm going to tell just, you why I'm asking this after you answer. 
you know, people are going to think that like an answer from somebody like me is going to be like, oh, I want to be successful in sports or I want to do this or I want to do that. But like it has nothing to do with like where I want my career to be. Like it's just like I just want to be happy. Like whatever I'm doing, like I just want to find joy and continue to find joy in the things that I'm doing. And it's like I don't care how much I'm getting paid for the work or how many people are listening to it. It's just like am I happy with what I'm doing because it's what I'm going to be doing, you know, every day for the foreseeable future. So it's just like that's all I want. Like I just I just want to know that like I'm doing everything that I can and that that I'm happy with, with the work that I put out. I'm happy with myself. I'm happy with my life. And that's it. Like it. So, so folks, I, I, I'm stopping there, Coco, because we're, we're not editing this because we don't edit anything. But I got to tell you, you just answered the question without answering the question. But I'm going to dig a little deeper under the hood on this. And I'm very sorry. But it's actually you can in a sit down like this, the way the sit downs work when we have a different guest is the show ends when Coca just gets bored and he stops recording or 45 minutes, whichever comes first. I'm not sure how it's gonna work today. He never saw a rundown because he wanted to be a guest and guests don't see a rundown before they come on. So I put this rundown together without him. And so I have no idea when he's gonna stop recording. But in theory, if we're still going, I would like to ask you, and I can't let you get away with, I want to be happy because that's not helpful either to you or to the audience. Everybody wants to be happy. So the question is, what is your definition? Because you then went into an entire conversation about your career and you want to be happy with what you do because you do it so much. But then you said it's not about success, but yet you want people to listen because if they don't listen, then you won't be able to keep doing this. If the audience isn't there for nothing personal, the show goes away. Same with cover three. And if we leave CBS or whatever we're going to do, it's because people are listening. So you're going to have to work more and work harder. But is that not what makes you happy? I don't want to let you get away with that as an answer because people who say that, that's like in an interview when I ask, hey, where do you want to be in five years? And it's the worst question you can ask someone because there's no good answer. So the answer that I tell people to give and that I've given over the years when I'm asked that is I'm trying to figure out how to help you tomorrow, not where I can be in five years because I have no idea. But the tomorrows will add up, and then five years from now, we'll see exactly where we are as a company and I am as an individual. But for you, if you just say, I want to be happy, but you don't dig deeper and say, what is your happiness? It can't be defined as audience. It can't be defined as work. So please answer the question again. For Eight sixty nine. So, Coca, what do you want? Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. 
Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Like, <clears throat> I mean, if you won't let me get away with saying happiness, like, there is, there is nothing that I truly want or desire like there just there just isn't and like I, I think uh you know it's like tough to hear that from somebody who's who's only 31 years old but it's just like when you have you know lived the life that I've lived in 31 years it's just like I'm I'm good like I'm a, I'm good like I want to see I want to see my nephew um succeed in life like I want to see my nieces succeed in life you know that's the stuff that really truly makes me happy and that's all that that I want like that's why I do the things that I do and you know I I make sure that I I do have a good job and like I make sure that you know I'm never in any sort of legal troubles or or anything and you know I'm not doing anything stupid outside of work that's that's really you know that's really it for me you know I I'm not I'm not a guy who who goes around and buys flashy things you know, I'm a guy who likes to sit at home comfortably and read books or, you know, binge watch a couple of shows. So it's just like the work side of things, like I enjoy doing it. And that's what makes me happy is is when the people in my life are good, when my friends are good. You know, I I, I like I like when other people are are really, really, really um, happy with their lives, too. Like I want to be the friend who cheers his friends on. And that's who I am. And that's who my friends know me to be. You know, I'm the guy who doesn't, you know, if your friend wins the lottery, like I'm, I'm the guy who's like, let's go. Like you did it. You know, if you get a promotion, like I'm the guy who's like, let's go celebrate you getting your promotion. Like I'm never going to be jealous of my friend's success or my family's success. Like I want success for everybody. So that's what I want. So does that mean that when we leave CBS or we stay at CBS that you don't want to raise? Because I've been pretty open with people on the show that you do want a raise and you deserve a raise. So is money money doesn't matter to you? I think money matters to to everybody, but I wouldn't put it at the top of my the top of my list. Like I think I mean it's it's part of me that that is glad to have somebody like you in his corner who is more assertive um, when it comes to the financial aspect of things because. You know, I, I get frustrated sometimes with the amount of work and, you know, and the pay, but it's like, I have you in my corner to sort of help me out. And, you know, I think you can always grow as a person, um, no matter how old you are. So, you know, from listening to you and talking with you, you know, you tell me how important sort of the financial aspect of things is. So yeah, that is important, but you asked me, you know, sort of like on like a deeper level of what I want. And that is, you know, that's my answer. Like if it could be like, Hey, what are the, you know, 1000 things that you want? Like, okay, like I'll put together a list and, and money will be towards the top of that list. The top 100, let's do a top yeah. five list. The top yeah. five things that Coco wants, Then, we but you want to grow, you want to grow, right? So can we talk about what you're doing next week in terms of growth? I don't know when you're releasing this by the way, but either way, can we talk about growth and how many times have you been outside of the country? 
Uh, I've never been outside of, of North America. So, so you've never been to Mexico? Is Mexico in, in, not in North America? I'm not sure. Isn't Canada and this United States good. North America? And this I is, thought Mexico would be good. considered I mean, South America. Good, I mean, well, <laughs> now that I'm the guest on the show, this is like something that where you'd have to look it up. I'd be, no, um, I'd say Coco. Part of the 4,000 things that we do. Uh, I would say that geography uh, isn't one of my, you know, is one of the top things on the list of, of getting to know me. Oh, God, that was funny. All right, leave that in the show, too, obviously. But no, you're going to Europe. Is this your first time in Europe? I mean, if it is the first time leaving North America, then it would, it would be yes. the first time in Europe, correct? So here's, here's how it happened, folks. I'm a traveler, and I forget the marathons I did in all seven continents. I've just been lucky enough to travel when I had no money. When I had money, I traveled living in hostels. I traveled going to four-star hotels. I've done all sorts of travel. And uh, Coca told me that he had never been to Europe. And I came up with the idea, you're going to Europe. And we came up with this great idea that Coca is going to find date because Coca doesn't have a lot of time to date. He's on all these apps and he goes on these dates and sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. But they, for whatever reason. Can I just say that like your openness to share the the personal details of my life at all times. Um, Does that bother makes, you? It, it makes me feel good. I mean, it doesn't bother me, but it's just it's just funny that the show is called uh, Nothing Personal and most of the personal details of the show pertain to uh, my dating life. Um, I, I think that that's not true, actually. Do you think that I don't open up about things that are personal to me on the show? Yeah, but that's by choice. Like, you're choosing to open up about your personal life. You're also choosing to open up <laughs> about my personal life. I think we have – is this – are we having a fight right now? Do you know we never had, we've never had one fight, the two of us? Not one fight. And that's not common between producers and people who work on a show together. We've not had one disagreement. We can be frustrated with each other, but then we talk through the topics and talk through what we're going to do and how to get through it. But that's pretty shocking. Given well, I just the find it best to ignore people um, when you are an arguer, like the both of us are. Um, I find it best that to just ignore the other person um, because we're not in the same place. So it's like, you know, I'll give you time to cool off. Because I know that I could cool off pretty fast. Um, so it's just like whatever we're, we're arguing about probably isn't that serious. Like it's like people getting into the Hall of Fame um, <laughs> or you trying to say like basketball players in the 1950s um, are better than basketball players in the 2000s. Stop exaggerating. I say the 1980s, not the 1950s. I mean, when we went through that list of like the top 75, you that was great. You probably agreed on on. 70 of the 75 and the five that you didn't agree on were all present players. That's because Carmelo Anthony does not deserve to be in the top 75. He just doesn't. Okay. Period. He's not uh, one of the top 75 players who ever played the NBA. He just, he isn't. I'm not going to argue the point because I want to get back to Europe. You're going to Europe first time out of the country. We were going to find a date for you. And then you called me up one day and you said, here's the problem with the plan. What happens when I have to take a deuce? That's what you said. How can I be with someone who I just met and we're in Europe? What am I going to have to find a public bathroom? And I said, all right, Coca, how about this? I am praying. I am praying that like 
we usually have people listen to 100% of our shows. Like we have really good retention. I'm praying that once we get up to the point where you and I can't agree on whether Mexico is in North America or not, <laughs> that people just shut this off. That they're Why? just like, you know what, what are you embarrassed about? What are you embarrassed about? Taking a deuce? <laughs> Everybody does. We all squat. We all have our underwear around our ankles. Every single person. Thank. And this is just, I mean, just add it up. Like this is one of the other reasons why I couldn't find a date is because I say things like that. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you most excited about in Europe? Uh, the adventure. Like just uh, going somewhere where people don't, you know, the Paris side of things, where people don't speak your language first, where the culture is just different. Um, just seeing how other people live, uh, because I only know the places I've been. You know, you can see things on television or, you know, documentaries or listen to other people talk about these things or, you know, see things on Instagram. Uh, but just seeing how other people truly live and their cultures, um, you know, will help me better understand, you know, the world itself, because I like to think of myself as a person um, who is accepting of, of everybody. Um, well, not the bad people, but everybody. I was speaking in so absolutes. So it's not everybody. Well, I was speaking in absolutes, so I just wanted to clarify. Um, but as far as cultures go, so it's it would it's going to be an exciting time to, to just go there and, and see these things. What are you anxious about? Uh, going there and seeing these things. Wow, <laughs> that's just, pretty cool. Of, yeah, of just uh, I think the the nervous part of things is like is like you usually like like is this like a lot of the a lot of it to me is like is this real like are those things truly real? Um, but then like going there and seeing it, I mean this is this is boring. You know, I don't think people want to hear about my trip to Europe before I go on it. I no, feel like we're gonna like, hear. Uh, they want to hear about the anxiety. And they want to hear that you're going to do things, but they also want to hear that nothing personal will go on while you're in Europe. We're going to do it. Now, you mentioned Anthony Mormile, didn't you, as your mentor, as the person who got you in the business, and you mentioned Mikey's name. People may know Mikey because he used to do the mailbag episodes for nothing personal, and then he became too famous to do that. <laughs> but he is making a return engagement while you're in Europe. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, he's a good guy, and he's going to help out the show. Um, but maybe like, we'll just, maybe we'll just leave it in your hands. Like maybe you'll have to go through, you know, five days of having to do my side of things where it's like, you're going to have to, um, you know, put together the podcast. You're going to have to reorder the topics. You're going to have to, uh, you know, post the, uh, the, uh, the audio. You're going to have to remember to hit record. Like there's those are not things. one thing that, I, that you do that I can do. There I mean, hit record. No, I can't even. I, I don't know. Someone asked me how to record, and I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you get the show from wherever we're doing it onto the podcast and onto all these different places. But anyway, I want to get back because we're going to end here on this thing, this topic. It's the 500th episode. What is the likelihood that you and I are around for a thousand? Is that ordinary? extraordinary do you think nothing personal when you think about your future and our future what do you see as the future for nothing personal i mean there's definitely going to be a show you know i feel like you have things to say 
So as long as you have things to say, there's always going to be a show. Um, so the future to me is just going to be uh, continuing to grow and continuing to get the word out to people that there is a show out there that is not only uh, informative, but it's also entertaining. And it's not going to be sort of these hot takes. Um, you know, it's not going to be controversial for the sake of being controversial. Um, it's, it's going to be a show where we want to talk about these things. Like we want to have our say, like we want to uh, decode and, and decipher things that are out there. And, you know, whether it's a person in sports or whether it's somebody in media, um, we want to have this outlet where people can go and they know that, you know, we're not going to BS them for 45 minutes. And, you know, it's a show that people can rely on because you and I like to work. You know, we'd like to, to be here. You know, we know that the content is always going to be there. Like, you know, we have to show up and we have to put in the work and we have to do these things. And I think, you know, people would be interested in that. Uh, and I don't want people to walk. I would say like the one thing I don't want people to walk away from this conversation with um, is thinking that I'm, you know, like some sort of robot just because of, you know, how I answer business questions. Um, because on the personal side of things, like I'm way more fun. I am way more outgoing. I'm way more. So take I'm us home then. Take us home. Finish the show right now. What do you want to say? You can, you can say it. Uh, I want to say that that I am, I am just like any other person who ever wanted to work in sports. You know, I'm just a, a kid who grew up around sports. I'm a kid who didn't think that he had a future in sports. Um, I just worked really hard. Um, I realized early on that it was building relationships with people and learning how to communicate were going to be the two most important things in my life because the financial side of things wasn't there. So I knew that I had to grow as a person and I had to grow up early um, in order to see these things. And yes, I do get frustrated and yes, I do get angry. And yes, you know, I do go out and I have fun with my friends and I, and you know, sometimes I don't like to work and I don't like to do anything. Um, but I've worked too hard on myself uh, to fail and to not succeed. And, you know, I've worked on shows before that have failed. I've worked on shows that have been canceled, um, but I'm still here and I'm still going and I'm still having fun. Um, and you are stuck with me, just so you know that. Wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever show, because nothing personal will be around, but there's gonna be more. There's gonna be more, wait to see. And I'm not doing any of it without you. So 500 episodes, we promised you Coca. We delivered you Coca. Thanks for doing this, by the way. Hey, you know, as they say in the biz, it's just business. This was nothing personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.